You are listening to Noteworthy Differences. Here I have uh, Yorma, who's been doing comedy for a very long time in broadcasting and comedy writing. He has lived in several different countries before moving to Turkey, and he's a published author under the pen name James R. Kirk. He's married and spends his years between Turkey, Greece, and Scotland. He's a keen cook and swimmer and has four cats and currently a co-host on Black Milkshake Comedy Podcast with co-host Ray Mack which is a comedy variety show with giggles galore of a distinct Irish and uh, British nature. Chat, guest guest uh, interviews, comedy sketches, and a glimpse into Turkish life. Ray and Yorma met in uh, Istanbul six years ago uh, in the James uh, Joyce Irish pub. James Joyce, James Joyce, like the author. When Ray stole Yorma's wife's seat, the podcast is Ray's penance for his sins. (laughs) Did you? Uh, <laughs> I love that part at the end. <laughs> Could you tell us a bit more, a bit more about the uh, the world-renowned um, podcast you have got going on, and uh, why is it a podcast and not a podcast? I guess. So, where you guys come yeah, from? Yeah, well, unless it yeah, is a okay. term that I haven't heard about. Yeah, go on. Um, we thought that we invent. I thought that I invented the term. Um, it now turns out that that's definitely not true. Um, and I know Joe.co.uk, a very big. Uh, media site are launching something mm-hmm. uh, called the Pubcast very soon as well. Um, they haven't asked us for permission yet, but uh, no, we, <laughs> we started about about a year ago. We're coming up to to the anniversary, yep. and um, I'd done radio and comedy presenting before for many years on and off, and um, but I'd. And I'd written a book, as uh, as you said, Chris. Um, but I, I'd had a couple of years where I'd not really done anything. And I was very frustrated um, in life, I really, at, at that time. Um, lots and lots of job insecurity. Mm. Um, I didn't, things were just not really <clears throat> going my way. So I woke up one morning, it was one Saturday morning, just like this, and I just had this mad idea that the two things that I'd done separately when I was younger, i.e. Uh, radio production, journalism, and comedy writing, why not put it together and try and make a, a podcast? So I was thinking frantically, and I had to explain it to my friend Ray exactly what the idea was. And we I, we put a script together. Um, wasn't very good. Um, the microphone didn't work, so we stupidly tried to record it on uh, mobile phones. Uh, the quality wasn't right. So we, ne- we never released it. But we actually thought to ourselves, this is not so bad. And it's just it's just kind of gone from there, really. We've, uh, we've got uh, a decent following, uh, very popular in, in Istanbul. We've got audience in Ireland and the UK and oddly Malaysia, although I've no idea why or who is listening to us in Malaysia. Um, <laughs> but it's just, it's just one of those things. It's, you know, you grow into it. We've got, it is a comedy variety show. Um, not many, I don't think there's you go, anything got a variety of countries, right? <laughs> well, we've got a variety of countries, yeah. And we've got a <clears throat> variety of things in it as well. I mean, 
Um, I don't think there's really anything like it. It's um, <clears throat> sometimes, sorry, frog in my throat. That's okay. Sometimes we uh, we have guests on, uh, comedians, writers, um, but we also do a lot of original comedy sketches as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the old-fashioned radio sketches with the sound effects and things like that. We have a lot of recurring characters, some characters who are really there, some characters that are just referred to a lot. Uh, Mrs. O'Leary gets mentioned every three or, three or four times an episode, but she doesn't really exist. Um, yeah, I was going to and, ask and you, we just, we, Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it all came from a, a very silly skit that we did. And um, I, I do this thing called psychiatology with this rather sinister um, American doctor who um, probes people's um, inner psyches uh, using some very very dubious methods and i usually use it do it once a month to uh to psychoanalyze or psychiatologize ray and it usually ends up with him having to confess to some rather rude uh, misdemeanors in his uh past one of which included um knicker and bra snatching from a woman called mrs o'leary and mrs o'leary just kind of developed from there it's very very silly <laughs> No, it sounds good. And uh, yeah, I'll definitely link um, the, the the appropriate links in the um, the bio there, just to see if we can yeah just uh, give you some exposure here down in Australia or down in the yeah that'd be great here, but wherever the uh, podcast is listened to. <laughs> yeah, that'd you, be great. Yeah, perfect. Um, in writing wise, I mean, um, could you describe a time when you faced um, a difficult challenge in your comedy writing career, and had you sort of overcome? Um, yeah. I mean, I started writing comedy when I was in my late 20s, I would say. Sure. Um, I mean, I'd messed about writing silly stories, but I started writing writing scripts, um, sitcom scripts. Mm. Um, I wrote a, a comedy, 90-minute um, comedy film at one point. Mm. Um, now, what was really, really, really difficult then was I'm talking about around the time when uh, Ricky Gervais was becoming big mm. and um, the mockumentary uh, style comedy was coming in. It was probably the last time, certainly in British comedy, that it, it was a really, really funny time. And it was also the last time that there was anything really funny. But it, it soon mm. got into this position that every sitcom was being written by a stand-up comedian. And... Um, you know, it might be a reasonable stand-up comedian who would create this vehicle for themselves. And it was often a lot of dramedy. And the only thing was that there wasn't really a great deal of, of humour in it. Well, it was subtle humour, but sometimes sometimes it just wasn't there. It wasn't the big laughs of, of the past. And I found, really, this was when I was really, really developing what I considered to be my art. And the market was absolutely flooded because every performer suddenly thought that they were a writer and there was just absolutely no way of getting in. I mean, you know, I was working with a couple of production companies and things like that. And you think you're there when a production company's interested, but until a TV network actually takes that, you've not got it. And, you know, you that was in the days, you know, the early days of the, the internet. And of course you could send emails, you could Google people, you could do all of this kind of mm. thing, but it's nothing like it is today you know, with with uh, Zoom and Instagram and all of these things. And 
and podcasts, really. So I spent years, I, I made a very big mistake in that I wrote this sitcom. <clears throat> I, I wrote all six episodes and it had a story arc mm -hmm. and it took about two years to do. And then um, contacted, I think, over 100 TV production companies. Yep. Um, got almost no answers. I, th I think my favorite one, though, was from the BBC in Birmingham. Uh, they sent mm. me a postcard back right. saying, I'm sorry, you was unsuccessful this time. And I, I wish I'd have framed that, actually, because, God, did I find that insulting that somebody who didn't know you were... Um, and thought it was you was was in a position to judge whether I would make it or not. So I kind of gave up there. And then, okay. you know, we're in a new, uh, I tried again and give up. But I realized that now mm -hmm. we've got this wonderful ability, as you know yourself, um, mm -hmm. you, we can self-publish books. We can self-publish, well, podcasts to self-publish radio shows, really, aren't they? Anybody can do this mm. now if they've got a few basic skills and a bit of equipment. And you don't need any more to be at the mercy of some producer um, mm. or some clerical assistant who decides whether you're good enough to make it when there are 15 people that they already like the sound of ahead of you, you know? So, yeah. You stay motivated and uh, keep your creative juices blowing uh, when you face, like, let's say, writer's block or any other obstacles. Like, do, do, you, do you kind of face that at the moment with some skits or whatnot in the, for the show now, or? It's funny. I, I used to have writer's block a lot. I don't mm -hmm. know. Um, as I've got older, I don't know if I just care less. I have no idea. Um, I think sometimes what I try to do is I try to come up with something elaborate. I yeah. had an idea for a sketch, just a mm. silly sketch about two guys going to a circus and accidentally um, volunteering, trying to impress a woman and volunteering to be a knife thrower's assistant. Okay. And I had this idea in my head for a year and I just couldn't get it. I knew roughly what I wanted to do, but it wasn't coming there. And then... I'll get frustrated with that. And then I'll come up with a monologue. I, I do a, a character called uh, Honzi, who's Honzi's a South African who does fake uh, astronomy, he calls it. He gives a reading for people's uh, star signs. And it's all nonsense where he's trying to sell something to somebody. Oh, you're Honzi, Most huh? of okay. the time. Yeah, I'm, I'm Honzi. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. Really. I do all the... I do... <laughs> I someone else. No, I do all the voices, or, or nearly all the voices, even yeah, some right. of the women's voices as well. What, what, are, the, what are the names of the uh, these, uh, astrology signs again, you, you, the star signs? I think you make up... Uh, yeah, they, they exactly made up. the names. What's the... No, can you say I the names he, again? <laughs> yeah, I can't remember all of them because I, I make them up on the spot, but he, I know Sagittarius, he, he often calls vegetarians. Uh, I know uh, uh, Capricorn often is Capri Sun. Uh, I think, and this month he was reading the birthday mm. um, horoscopes for Taurus, but it ended up as tourists. And it's just silly, silly things <laughs> like that. But I, I find that I'll, I'll try to be coming up with something big and then I'll just hear Hansi's voice in my head. Yeah, it's a quick, quick monologue and it's, and it's written in 30 seconds. So I, I tend to find the big things take longer and the funny, th and sometimes you get the writer's block. And the funny thing is that the big ideas that you really, really want to do, often when you finish them, they're not anywhere near as good as something that just came off the cuff or, you know, but I, I usually turn out. Uh, two or three sketches a week or some, something like that. And it's just usually, uh, I often do them on the bus, to be honest. 
uh, on the bus either with a pen and paper or I'm actually doing it with my thumbs on um, on the on the notes on the phone and mm. it's a strange way of working but I'm not somebody who I'm not one of those people who can say yeah eight till nine I'm gonna I'm gonna write because then what do you write about and it would never you work know. right yeah yeah, it does for some people, but it, does it, it doesn't yeah. doesn't for me. Well, mm. I think it does. I've got a a friend, uh, Lisa yeah. Morrill, who's and she's a she's a travel writer, and she does that. Um, she she writes nine till eleven every morning, and whether she really feels creative or not, and if she does, mm. if it doesn't work out for her, she goes back to it, mm-hmm. and and of course you can make things better at a later day, but that's a level of discipline that. Um, I'm not going to pretend to have. <laughs> what uh, what is your proudest accomplishment as a uh, comedy writer, and why why is it meaningful to you? Um, in a particular moment. I I got a it, it's strange actually, um, but I, I got a message um, this morning of somebody I I don't know who it was, um, mm. somebody somebody called Dom who I've never heard of before who who just said. Uh, uh, I stumbled across your show yesterday, and he said, um, "If you were intending to create, if you were intending to create a situation where eavesdroppers could enjoy ridiculous, what did he say? If you were intending to create a situation where eavesdroppers could listen in on ridiculous." Ridiculous pranksters in a dark, dank dairy pub on a Monday night. He said, you've achieved it. The eagle has landed, my friend. That was brilliant. <laughs> and that was such a bizarre compliment to to receive. Yeah. Um, but I thought to myself, yeah, how fantastic. I'm as proud of that as when I've had a write-up in a newspaper, to be honest. I, I thought just something like that, that's spoken to somebody. It's somebody who, who in his own way has got what we do. And I don't know who he is. He doesn't know me. Um, yeah, it's it's just nice when when you get some acknowledgement from somebody and that they seem to get it. I think that's the most important thing. You know, you you can you can be on a radio show, you can be in a newspaper, and you know that the journalist or the presenter is just going through the motions. Um, and when you listen back to it or you you read it back, you just think, well, they didn't really care. You know, so I think those those little compliments are, are and and bizarre things when somebody says, "I've listened to what you did. Would you read out my letter on the next show?" Or um, that really made me think of such and such a thing. And you get in touch with people all over the world, mm-hmm. um, except the Malaysians because they don't tell you who they are. Um, and it's just great, great fun. I love that. And. I think things like that I'm I'm more proud of actually than things like uh, listener figures or you know being in a having an article a poorly written article um, published about us <laughs> or a poorly written um, postcard back. Yes, exactly. You was unsuccessful. My goodness. So the sketches that you do, if um, uh, anyone hasn't listened as well, definitely check out the uh, the podcast. But. Um, the, the sketches you use, uh, AI, I think you said, right? And I think we had a previous conversation. Yeah, I, yeah. I do. I, I use quite a lot of AI these days. Oh, um, but by the way, uh, if you're listening, if you're still listening to me um, going on, 
Uh, our, our show is called Black Milkshake Comedy Pubcast, and we're on all the major podcast platforms. We have a Facebook page as well if you uh, would join us where you get lots of updates, and we'll be also presenting uh, a link to this as well, but you won't need to do that because you've already heard it here. Um, AI, yeah, it, it's amazing, isn't it, this AI thing? It's scary mm-hmm. in a way. My, my wife is absolutely terrified of it, but it's my favorite toy. It's a good tool uh, as well, definitely. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. I mean, I understand why it's scary, but I mean, mm. I'm I'm thinking in purely a hedonistic and short-term way, and it helps me with a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so what I've realized that you can do, I'm not 100% sure of the legality of uh, of this, but you can, you can clone uh, voices. Mm. And I've got some... At the moment, it appears that you can only clone North American voices. Okay. Um, I, I guess British, Australian, Irish voices, that, that'll come soon. But I've got, yeah, I, now I can have, I do a lot of sketches with American presidents right now because I can have Trump, Obama, and Biden saying whatever I want them to say. Awesome. I've got a, a beautiful Morgan Freeman um, clone <laughs> as well. Could you get got Morgan a- Freeman to tell me, I like him one of the sketches, could you please... Uh- um, you know, make him shout out my uh, my podcast. That'd be great. <laughs> I will do that. I will do that next Friday, Chris. Right, right, a kind message. Yep. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'll do that. It's special dedication. Um, yeah, Wonderful. I'll I'll do that. So yeah, I'm having a lot of fun with doing things like that. I mean, we we do um, quite a few mashups anyway. Uh, sometimes I, I take Liam Neeson's voice and do things with it. Sometimes mm. I do my own voices, but we we do the AI, and I, I like I, I like working with it. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> I mean, I do I do a lot of voices, but yeah. I, I'm not very good at doing impressions. I did a I did an Aussie TV presenter called Logan Bogan a few weeks ago, and and that was sort of that That's was good. a few months ago. Thanks, um, <laughs> but that the accent might sound okay, but I can't copy somebody's voice. You know, um, I did a decent day mad no one though. I have to say that. <laughs> Good night, possums. <laughs> Listen to Ryan Yorma on the podcast. What what makes a, a great comedy special? Comedy to make it work yeah. in any way needs to have an element of drama in it. Mm. You need to believe that the characters are real. Um, of course, I I I think we need a lot of irony to to separate it from true reality but i've never really been a big fan of the american comedies where somebody makes this grand entrance into a room and opens a door in a way that nobody's ever opened a door before and then the audience laughs friends for example i know it's hugely popular but i've Mm. always detested it um because i just don't think people behave that way i think it needs to have a connection to how people do behave even if you do distort and twist and (laughs) you know, really, really mess up their personalities. But I, I do think it needs to be grounded in reality. Otherwise, it doesn't work. Do you have any advice for anyone looking to be an aspiring comedy writer, looking to break into the industry? Yeah, uh, I think I'd give this to... It's not only for comedy, this this is for any kind of creator, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, just go and do it. Um, don't let people tell you that you can't do it. When uh, I think as as a kid, I was probably um, on the surface, I was pretty conventional, um, but I really felt that I was pretending. And I think I felt like I was a bit of, what's the phrase? Is it a, a square mm-hmm. peg in a round hole? Is it? 
And <clears throat> I would always, you know, I remember I'd often go up to the bathroom and look at myself in the mirror and pull faces and speak in stupid voices and sing silly songs when I was a, when I was a kid. And I still do all of those things now. <laughs> and, um, but I, I knew kid, eh? that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never, never really grown up. But <laughs> I, I knew that um, those sort of things, there, there's a time and a place for these sort of things. I never understood why there was, but I understood that there was. And... I think you need to be confident. You need to express yourself in whatever way that is, whatever your art is, he said quite pretentiously. Um, but you never need to, it doesn't matter if you're different from anybody else. Um, I think you need to to do what makes you feel good about it. If people give you praise, it's wonderful. But if they tell you it, it doesn't work, um, that's only one person's opinion. Somebody once told me, I remember, hmm. uh, an actor called Bernard Wrigley once told me that um, how difficult it is to make it, but he said that before the Beatles were discovered, they had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of rejection letters, people just telling them that they weren't good enough. And because these are only people's opinions. So hmm. if you if you, if you you want it, you can do it, but you have to put yourself out there. It, to create in itself isn't enough. It's you have to get on people's nerves. You have to hassle people. You have to find creative ways of showing people um, your material, um, and that that means, especially if you're if you're doing stand-up comedy or even if you're doing music, it means you need to get out there and get gigging. Um, but there are many other ways of doing things around here. You can also do what I do, and you know, sit at a computer in your bedroom with headphones on and 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 publish things yourself. But you never never need to think that. You you can't do it. If you think that you're good enough, you probably are. Mm. But if you give up, no one will ever know. That's good. I like that. Well, um, I think that's pretty much it, isn't it? You want to talk about like uh, maybe background, your life? Um, I lived in France as a child. And uh -huh. um, I actually initially trained to be a French teacher, but I don't really consider that my French is good enough to, to do that. Um, I lived in Germany for 11 years and, mm -hmm. um, I listened to, listen to podcasts in German, read the internet in German, uh, but that's my best foreign language, but I speak several other ones. I mean, your friend, um, I've forgotten what his name was. So from the first episode, Pat? Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, what's he called? Uh, Pat or Patanen. Yeah. Pat. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And he, he was talking about Thai and, La uh, yeah, Laos. uh Laos, that's it, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think what, what he was saying, and he was quite right, is I always notice that languages are connected. Mm. And years ago, I learned to speak a bit of reasonable-ish amounts of Polish and regularly went on holiday to the Czech Republic and realized that um, many of the most of the words were quite similar, but they often had a different ending or one letter would be one letter in this and and constantly there was a pattern so i, I started speaking uh polish but changing word endings and things like this and the czechs always thought it was funny but they always they always asked first thing was they asked if i was mm -hmm. russian which i couldn't mm -hmm. i suppose it was a bizarre compliment mm -hmm. um but then they asked if my grandparents were czech or they asked me uh, why did i speak such funny czech and i wasn't even speaking czech at all i was speaking polish with manipulations but it was enough for them to understand mm -hmm. um so I, i've always had that kind of brain um 
Um, I mean, I lived in Malaysia for a couple of years, and and that's not a difficult language to learn. I mean, compared to something like Thai, it's incredibly easy because it uses our alphabet. I live in Turkey right now, and I struggle with that. I can I can name most things in a room. Well, it depends what kind of room it is, um, but I can point at things and ask for things, and I can use I can use some verbs sometimes, but I don't always use verbs and adjectives and nouns in the same sentence they're not mm. real sentences it's kind of tarzan style but it's enough to make yourself understood and something yeah. else that pat said i noticed that i i thought was very interesting mm. and you alluded to this as well is that there are some people who just decide though that they will not, not understand you because um you know you're talking foreign yeah. and i i find this so incredibly frustrating mm. i i had a situation uh, I think two weeks ago, three weeks ago, where I, I lost my bank card. And I went to the local police station and explained in my broken Turkish what had happened. And everything was great. He understood fully what I said and then started asking me some strange questions about Glasgow Rangers Football Club, and I have no idea why. Um, but then uh, it told me <laughs> that that police station, the lost and found mm. office, was closed and I had to go to the next town. So I did that and I went up there and I said exactly the same thing and they did not yeah. understand a word. And after 10 minutes of me trying to repeat myself, I got it onto Google Translate. And so we Google translating backwards mm -hmm. and forwards with each other. And the guy still doesn't didn't understand because he'd got it in his head. I don't understand foreigners. And it, 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 that's a frustrating thing. But you find there are some people, it's not necessarily only that they, often people, if they speak a language themselves, they tend to be more tolerant. But sometimes it's just people who enjoy communicating. You know, they're, they're prepared to give it a go. You know, and they don't yeah. mind you. I mean, it was a bit of a relief when we, we moved to Turkey because um, I tried to speak Malay um, when I was in Malaysia. And the minute people see that you're white, you know, they start calling you boss and yes, sir, even if that's the only English that they have. And, and it was frustrating. Whereas you go to Indonesia where it's the same language. And the people are actually happy that you can that you're going to speak a little bit. And I, I learned so mm. much more Malay when I was in Indonesia on holiday, because the people, I don't know, I don't know if they take more pride in their culture or more pride in the language. I don't know, maybe the Dutch were a bit nicer to them than the Brits, I've no idea. But um, it, it was a relief to move to Turkey uh, initially, because uh, walking down the street, I blend in here. People don't know that I'm not Turkish until I speak. So you don't get this feeling of people looking at you. Um, Whereas, not that it was negative in, in Malaysia in any way, but I don't like people coming up to me, calling me sir and boss and saluting me and things like that. Whereas in Turkey, they wouldn't do that because mm. as long as I'm quiet, they have no idea that I'm, you know, that, that I'm a foreigner. Um, so that's kind of nice. They let you start the conversation in Turkish this way. And, and it has to go on in Turkish anyway, because most people here don't speak any English anyway. But, um, yeah, you do run into that frustrating factor of, um, you know, people just deciding that they don't understand you just because. You'll either have a wonderful experience or the most frustrating one ever. And that mm. goes for pretty much every element of life in Turkey, to be honest. It's both wonderful and horrendous at the same time and often on the same day. Mm. But language learning, you know, I find it's uh, it is quite rewarding. It's, it's a nice 
thing or pastime to do. Mm-hmm. Um, do you it's speak pretty any? enriching. Uh, yeah, myself, it's just obviously English primary, but uh, secondary would be Macedonian. Right, because um, that's where your family originates. Did you yeah, say that? That's correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are some countries where they're absolutely delighted if you try. You can go yeah. to the Netherlands, and if you try, they just get bored of you. And and it's really yeah. frustrating when you've actually <laughs> prepared uh, what you want to say, mm. and um, or, or you've been thinking about it. But in Germany, you've got this. Yeah. They love it if you can speak German, but it needs to be a certain level, and okay. because they will happily speak if they think you speak none, they treat you quite well in their best English. But if they suspect that you speak some German, they're quite insecure about their levels of English. So mm. then they will often switch to German, which is natural because it's their country, but they might not be as tolerant with you because you don't speak as good German, whereas they might treat you actually more polite. This is a strange thing to say, but they might treat you more politely if you don't speak any of their language or if you don't bother to learn any of the language it's a weird thing mine's <laughs> at a level where you know i get i get, would get treated like a german um but if you speak none you'll get treated well as well but it's difficult in the middle it's, it's a worthwhile thing doing anyway and it's the way that you get to to find out what the culture is like of the place that you're in because hmm. wikipedia can't give you everything yeah all right sounds like we need to do some language exchange here and there I can try. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, you can. You can teach me some German. German from a non-German. That'd be funny. Yeah, that's good. Teach machen. That's very kein Problem for me. <laughs> I think you said yeah. yeah, that's fine and that's no problem, right? Something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that that would be no problem for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you spoke about your book. Uh, have you published uh, that book or? Uh, yeah. Um, as I said, I did it, um, I think mm. on Kindle, Amazon Kindle, it's okay. as uh, Jorma Kirko, it's called Songs for Sue. Um, in the paperback edition, it's uh, I use the, the fake name of James R. Kirk. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, a series of uh, short stories. Um, my uh, Sue was my mother and I had a very strange relationship with her really um first 15 she'd had a an awful childhood and <clears throat> really thought that being a wife and a mother would make everything um everything all right again and mm. we were very very close until my teens and she couldn't deal with the fact that after having had no control of her past life that she wasn't in full control of her current life and things unfortunately she she died when i was 31 or 32 or something mm, like that 32 young. i think i was mm. yeah very very young she was only 56 57 um mm. but we we never really repaired that bond and yet uh, it so it's a very strange thing that i have these horrific memories for the second half of our life together and these wonderful ones from from the first and I'm not really somebody who, um, I don't really do a lot of poor me, poor me. Um, and I know that therapy works wonderfully for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to think that I'm resourceful enough to to solve my own problems. Um, whether, whether I solve them well or not is another matter. But I, I wrote this book um, 
actually wrote the first couple of chapters of it in Malaysia, and then I finished it off in in Turkey. And it's yeah, it's a mm-hmm. series of um, short stories. They've all got a dark twist at the end. One or two of them are funny, but a lot of them are stories that would be things from either her life as a child or uh, my life as a young child as well mm. about half the stories of that so it's kind of it, it's personal in a way and it was um I've, n- I've never really promoted this but people yeah. who've read it have given me good feedback on it but i i mean yeah, i, I promote this podcast that mm. yeah it, it's a nice book it's only it's only short 110 pages mm-hmm. um but the stories are yeah there's some quite sad stories there and they've but it's one of those that if you uh don't read the last paragraph of the story properly um, you're going to think it's a very different story than than what it was. So yeah, I, I did that. I, I picked up the the book the other week and had a look at it because you forget about it really if you're not promoting. And I actually thought to myself, this is okay. Why did you not do this more? Uh, but I think it was a a journey for me. I think it was a sort of therapy. Mm. I think I probably knew that once I'd written, um, once I'd written one book, that would probably be it for some reason i don't know why i don't know if it was too serious or what yeah uh, I, th- I think you can get it in australia and amazon anyway but i mean you can if you've got kindle you can get that anywhere anyway mm. so different kinds of therapy right have you heard the uh the little joke you know men don't go to therapy they start podcasts have you heard that joke before <laughs> no i haven't <laughs> but, uh, last question um do you want it to just a memoir question um when you pass on, uh, what would you like to have been known for? Um, I think obviously I would like it if people remember the the stuff that I've done, the things that I've uh, done that have made people laugh. But I think more importantly than that is I want people to remember me fondly. Um, yeah, I want people to to think that I was a decent guy. I want people to think that I was straight, honest, um, truthful, ethical, um, outspoken, and not afraid to to speak. And I mean, there are some people who hate me because of these things, but um, generally, I, I would I, I tend to think that it's better to be to be honest and open and to to share what you think, whether that's I don't mean you should go around being rude to people, but I mean. I don't think you should hide what you feel and 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 what you are. So mm-hmm. yeah, I just like people to think that I was a decent, honest guy. Made a few people laugh, stood up for myself, and um, his likes will never be seen again. <laughs> <laughs> nothing grand, nothing pretentious. Just God, he's gone. How can we ever replace him? <laughs> That's good. <laughs> There you go. Uh, so here's the uh, the serious, not so serious, Yorma Kirka. Um, thank you for being on. Thanks for your time. Thank you very much, Chris. Absolute co- pleasure. Really enjoyed it. And we'll do. I'll do the Morgan Freeman thing for you. You're going to have to uh, tell me how to pronounce your surname. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, thanks very much. I've really enjoyed that. You are listening to Noteworthy Differences.